Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Billboard Chart Free Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. The listeners can't see this, but Trevor, you're uh, committing. I think we could be a uh, fashion faux pas wearing shorts after Labor Day? Um, no. I know you can't wear, these are, can't wear white. You can't wear white. That's shorts? right. No, these are stylish, so they're still good. Um, but yes, happy, happy. First, it's like a first week of school for a lot of people out there. Um, I grew up in the South, so we're already in school by now. You, Northeasterners, I guess you guys start school this week. Well, we used to, uh, back in my day, it was always after. It was usually the Wednesday after Labor Day, but now it's, uh, yeah, something like the last week in August. Uh, well, uh, ha- happy, I guess it's like classes back in session. Everybody's chilling out. Hope you had a nice summer here. Um, I guess if you're obviously a chart watcher, this will be forever remembered as the summer of Old Town Road. Um, Songs of the Summer Race is uh, winding down. And by winding down, I mean actually officially over because summer's over. And Old Town Road, no surprise, is officially the Billboard Song of the Summer. So, um, you know, I mean, kind of a nice, tidy package there that Lil Nas X dominated it. We, in the last couple of weeks, have been able to look at a few new number ones. We're going to continue that trend this week. And, you know, it feels like now that Old Town Road is, is on its way out to pasture, Feels like the chart is opening up for everybody else. I thought we'd hit every horse pun we could, but out to pasture. Yeah, we put it out to pasture. You know, look at that. All right. So, uh, yep, talking another new number one coming up here on the Billboard Hot 100 this week. Taylor Swift. We were talking about Taylor all last week in the podcast. New album debuts at number one on the Billboard 200. So we'll get into uh, both of those new number ones. Also going to be talking Americana Fest happening again in Nashville uh, next week, September 10th through the 15th. So a great event of uh, seminars and music and learning about uh, the industry. It's for fans and artists and uh, everyone who's uh, into Americana folk music. So we're going to talk about that coming up as well with... Jed Hilly, executive director of the Americana Music Association. He's our special guest coming up. So it's all on the way. Also, this is our uh, second podcast this week, a podcast with Trisha Yearwood and Leslie Simon as well, GM of Pearl and Gwendolyn Records. So Jim Asker in Nashville, our Nashville-based chart manager, chatted with uh, Trisha and Leslie about Trisha's new album, Every Girl, and so much more. So I can check that out online as well. But uh, right now, another, yeah, new number one. On the Billboard Hot 100. Here's the top 10 this week. 10, 9, 8, 
been uh, pretty rampant these past couple of weeks. We saw last week Sean Mendez, Camila Cabello get to number one with Senorita. Week before that was Billie Eilish. This week, check that out. It is Lizzo's turn. The song is Truth Hurts. Um, I mean, the, the journey of the song has been nothing short of remarkable. If you remember, the song actually came out in 2017. Uh, Lizzo had put it out and she's been pretty open about this around the time that Truth Hurts came out people were not really you know she she didn't have nearly the star profile that she does now she's put out a couple projects none of them have gotten you know significant heat behind them and uh, when she put out Truth Hurts she had mentioned before that she actually thought about quitting music that day because you know she was putting these songs out nobody really cared there was no reception and so pretty ironic and and kind of if you like, you know, fan of happy endings or nice tie-ups, pretty great. That it actually is this song then that becomes her very first number one hit. The song that she, you know, very well could have been her last song. The song yeah. she was going to kind of give up afterwards. I like how she turns around today here on Tuesday. 
uh, she retweeted herself from a couple years ago when she put the song out and said, I'm so proud of this song. I think it's the best video I've ever done. I'm going to keep working this. And then she retweeted today, two years later, saying, and I still am. Yeah, so it's been a long road for this song. And of course, the, the jump came in 2019, really, when it was featured in a Netflix film, performed at Coachella, and a, you know, a couple things kind of added up to a nice nice kind of perfect storm that started getting the song a lot more attention. And I mean, ever since then, it's been on a massive role, performed it at the BET Awards to a huge reception. I know she was uh, especially retweeting when Rihanna was in the crowd, really excited about that. A little over a week ago, performed it at the MTV VMAs alongside um, her song Good As Hell. So Queen Latifah was in the crowd for that one. A lot of, again, same kind of reaction shots, really helped that out. Also a remix with DaBaby came out. Um, that impacts this week as well. So a lot of, you know, again, once again, a lot of things kind of lining up just in time for Lizzo to get that really long-awaited number one. Yeah. I mean, not to, you know, pat myself on the back too much. Um, and I, I'll admit, I didn't, you know, I didn't call this spot on, but I remember at the top of the summer, we did a little song to the summer column with a few people here at Billboard. And uh, one of the questions was, what song, you know, if, if if Old Town Road was not going to be the song of the summer, which it is, um, the question was, what's what's the main competition? What's a, what's a song that really, you know, could take the mantle for song of the summer? So you, have this your, is, you have your phone. Are you actually going to read your own words? No, I'm going to summarize them, though. All right. This posted June 3rd. So they're talking. we're talking three months ago. Uh, and I had said, you know. You can quote yourself. It's okay. I, I, I said my current pick is a song from 2017. I said. Lizzo's truth hurts. I said she's a very 2019 pop star, which I feel is very true, defying stereotypes of who and what a black woman can be in this music industry. Tops it off with a swaggy personality right for social media and refuses to play by convention, bouncing across genre lines with a mix of pop, R&B, and hip-hop. And this is just when uh, Truth Fort, I mean, this is when Truth Hurts had just gotten inside the top 40 of the Hot 100. So um, even though it wasn't Song of the Summer, you know, I didn't quite catch on to that. I'm actually, I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm actually pretty impressed because especially when you have a song like, you know, that, that comes from a Netflix moment or a revival. I mean, you know, they can be hot for a couple of weeks as people kind of, right. you know, I mean, it's not like this Netflix film. I mean, the film itself didn't blow up in a way that, you know, you couldn't ignore this song. And then, I mean... When you think about the, the, the lineup for this song, I mean, this this was right after the album "Cause I Love You" had come out, and Juice was the single that they were pushing with Lizzo. Yeah, that's right. And that was, you know, and the plan was for all this to happen, and then Truth Hurts kind of dropped out of nowhere, and kind of, you know, ruined that in some ways. I, I think mean, we had conversations really, about which which should really be the radio single. Should it be Juice or should it be Truth Hurts? We were uh, going back and forth. Yeah, yeah, I know you you thought Juice was a, a way more like pop, you know, you know, sort of. Cut and paste made for it's, top 40, which it is. Yeah, I mean, it is. Right? But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of surprised that Truth Hurts just zoomed past that, bypassed it, got all the momentum, and really forced itself to become the Lizzo single of the moment. Well, just to, to clarify that, I, I think I do think Truth Hurts is a lot catchier, but I just think Juice sounds like what radio sounds like. So the hook won out over just the production. Yeah, I, I remember you saying that Truth Hurts. I think you, I think this wasn't actually on on the on a microphone, but I remember a side convo where yeah, you said Truth Hurts had a better hook, but you thought Juice. I mean, kind of. It's always kind of like that old. Um, I, I think a Juice would have fit better in like a 2013. Like I think in that like moment of Get Lucky yeah. and like maybe even like a Blurred Lines, kind of like a throwback per, Pharrell Williams produced moment. Right. I think Juice would have been like a smash in 2013, but. 
in 2019, uh, yeah, Truth Hurts, you know, took the crown, took the momentum, really, I mean, took that whole Lizzo moment and became, you know, for, for all the, for all the, the, the plans and the attention and the work that went into, you know, strategizing this rollout for Cause I Love You and Juice and everything. I mean, just goes to show, you know, in 2019, the people will tell you what they want and the people want Truth Hurts. What's your pick for Song of the Fall? Song of the winter since you're on uh, such a hot streak. Yeah, you're the first. Uh, nah, ooh, I gotta, uh, I gotta, I gotta assess. I gotta, I'll have to come back next week with some contenders. But um, it feels like I don't know. It feels like there's still a lot of artists out there. People are waiting on a lot of, a lot of open room, especially after Old Town Road. Now the vacuum's kind of, you know, that balloon's kind of burst. So feels like there's still a lot of things out there. Yeah, I guess Walbert talk about maybe the number one wheelhouse turning as it's turned the past couple of weeks uh post malone circles is finally out which is a song that we waited for and should have been out a couple weeks ago but a little bit delayed music video uh came out today which is tuesday september 3rd so i mean obviously post malone's been in the number one spot uh three times before so he's always a hot contender the album comes out this friday as well so he's really i think he's surprising me he's probably surprising a lot of people with every song he puts out now he's just he's showing different sides of his talent i thought goodbyes was really one of the best songs he's put out and uh, this new song circles it's maybe the most pure pop song he's put out i wasn't really expecting that yeah i mean in a lot of ways he's kind of the guy who's made that that transition from the rap universe to the pop universe with with the most ease i mean we saw him top the mainstream top 40 chart a couple times already. I mean, he's nominated in pop categories at the Grammy Awards. So there's a real, you know, ease of acceptance between all those genre points where he probably is like the most accessible artist to all of those realms. So, yeah, for him to, you know, continue to do this. I mean, I think he's uh, a very talented musician in general. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, nice for him, you know on his third album to keep experimenting with things and keep trying. And the feature list came out today and it's it. It's a bit wide ranging, so interested to see what he comes up with for number three. But glad that you know he's not just trying to do the same thing, rinse and repeat. Not give us Stony two or beer bongs and Bentleys two. So we'll see how that uh, plays out for sure on the charts next week. All right. So this week on the Hot One Hundred, it's all about Lizzo celebrating. It's about you celebrating, Trevor. Your your prediction. <laughs> I'm I'm glad for Lizzo, and I, yeah, I'm, I got, I'll I'll take a little slice and be glad for myself as well. I mean, you got to admit, that, I mean, these, these are long shots. I mean, the song was just inside the top 40, and for it to yeah. go, you know, all this way to number one, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, also, celebrating Minnesota Vikings. They're number one. No man on the Minnesota Vikings. Truth hurts me to something more exciting. Preseason well, polls. Yeah. Not, not maybe uh, in a lot of preseason polls, but they're the only NFL team right now that can say, they're on a number one uh, song on the Hot 100. So I was actually thinking, has, uh, have there been other songs where NFL teams were mentioned? And I thought of at least one big hit. Remember this one? I'm such a baby the dolphins make me cry. Woody and the Bullfish. Dolphins. Darius Rucker cry. Only want to be with you. He admitted it. Okay, so we got the Miami Dolphins. We got the Minnesota Vikings. We'll have to... Uh... Yeah, well, well... Oh, we got. Oh, we got. Well, I'm uh, as a Patriots fan. I don't. I don't really want to. I don't want to play this one. I don't want to mention it. But I guess we should at least mention the Super Bowl Shuffle by Chicago Bears Shuffling Crew when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl in 1986. And normally, I hate when a song peaks at number 41 because it's so close to being a top 40 hit. But that song stopped at number 41. You're okay with that? Uh, I yeah. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right. Now the other big news this week on the Hot 100 and Billboard 200. So no surprise, Taylor Swift lover comes in at number one on the Billboard 200, the biggest week since surprise uh, her last album reputation back in 2017 uh, on the hot 100 in the top 10 you just heard uh, you need to come down comes back into the top 10 at number four got up number two underneath old town road back in june and a new top 10 her 25th lover the title cut ties uh, taylor swift actually with elvis presley for 10th most top 10s all time on the hot 100 so they each have 25 uh, she has 18 songs on the Hot 100 this week. All 18 uh, from Lover. They all chart this week. I'm gonna. I want to rep for the Elvis fans in the room that yeah. you know who know his. Career, yeah, make make the disclaimer. Who know his career? Right. Un, uh, unfortunately for Elvis Presley, started a little too soon. Hot 100 is a 1958 chart. Elvis Presley a 1955 guy. So a lot of those early hits, the the Heartbreak Hotel, Hound Dog, Don't Be Cruel, actually not. Um, not Hot 100 hits. Right. Unfortunately, which I mean, as an Elvis fan, I feel like I have to you know. Give that asterisk every time, but you know, uh, still nothing. Not to take away from Taylor at yeah. all. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, if you're gonna uh, boast about your prediction, remember last week on the podcast, my pick for the next single. Well, after Lover, we all agreed uh, Lover should be the next single. But then I said after that, The Man should be the next single. That's the highest debuting of all the songs this week. Number twenty three. I would be complex. I would be cool. Um, I will say, I, 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 I don't know why. I, I'm not going to fight myself like you did. Just, that's, just, well, you did. that's okay. That's okay. Um, but I was listening to that album again, and the, the man really stood out. Like, I, that, that's definitely been the song that I have yeah. gone back to more than. I mean, I mean, at first I was worried it might be a little too intrapersonal to, to, to work as a single. If you want to talk about sort of cross market marketability and everything, but I don't know. I mean, you know. There seems to be a big fan base, especially like reading some of the comments on websites and things, you know, who people like, oh, she like, like, uh, she said feminism, you know, stepped on their necks. Like, so there's, you know, even though it's sort of specific to her circumstances, um, in a lot of ways, it, it, you know, a lot of people can kind of probably find themselves in that song to some degree, to some situation where you, you know, you feel like, you know, you've been in that same boat thinking to yourself, like, you know, if I were a dude, none of this would be happening in the same way. Yeah. So uh, all 18 songs on the Hot 100, that's the most ever for a woman in a week. Uh, Billie Eilish had that record for yeah, about uh, over four months. She had 14 on the Hot 100 in one week in April when When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Uh, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. So Billie had 14 songs on the Hot 100 in one week. Taylor has 18. So yeah, new record uh, among women. Drake has the overall record with uh, 27 last year when Scorpion came out. <laughs> Uh, 
But uh, yeah, no, huge week for Taylor. She's up to 95 Hot 100 hits total now, so she could uh, join Nicki Minaj at some point as the only women with 100 uh, hits at least each on the Hot 100. So we leave it in the morning on the early train. I could say everything's all right. I could pretend and say goodbye. Uh, one other new music, so everyone's uh, focusing on the Lover album. But uh, so we're taping this on Tuesday. Yesterday uh, just uh, came uh, down a new set, a new BBC Radio One live lounge performance that Taylor Swift did in New York on Labor Day uh, Monday. She she covered one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite artists, Phil Collins' song "Can't Stop Loving You." Cause I can't stop loving you. No, I can't. Original by Phil Collins was the number one hit in 2002 on the AC chart. It was his eighth and most recent number one. She did a really uh, nice version of that. So uh, if, if anyone's uh, already tired of Lover, there's uh, even more newer new Taylor Swift music. Taylor's always been pretty solid with her cover choices, especially in those live situations. I know a lot of people um, really still fan of her cover of Riptide by Vance Joy that she did around the time 1989 was coming out, so about f- almost five years ago. Um, but yeah, she usually is always very, you know, very, very smart with that. And I, I think still, I always say this, I think she would absolutely murder an MTV Unplugged set. I really think she would do a good job with that. Well, you remember she did that CMT Crossroads with Def Leppard back in, I think it was 2008? No. Yeah. I remember, no. I remember she did the Thug Story with T-Pain. Yeah. But, uh. Def Leppard as well? I didn't know she did that, Def Leppard. Was, was it stripped down or was it, it's like a. Not really. No. It was pretty uh, full on. Oh. I'm, t- I'm, just, I'm just telling you, get her in that room with like her, you know, acoustic guitar kind of intimate venue, like an MTV Unplugged album. I bet you, I'm telling you. It, voc- vocally, she sounds great on this cover. This is this is uh, her and very minimal production. I think it's a great vocal. And going way back to early Taylor, too, she covered, remember she covered Umbrella? Now it's raining more than ever. Know that we'll still have each other. You can stand under my umbrella. Could be your next album, Taylor. Taylor, the covers, the covers, the covers collection. How would you, the covers collection. Yeah, they're trying, hmm, Taylor, Taylor made the the covers album. Maybe uh, no, I don't maybe. Gary doesn't. Okay, I think that was that bad, but apparently Gary has a look of disdain on his face. I don't think we've come up with anything better than covers. Ta- collection. Oh, oh mm, okay. I'm gonna. Okay. We got time. Lover just came up. I kind of like, but I guess Taylor made makes it sound like she like. But well, she didn't make these. Songs. It's almost covers. yeah. She would do the worst maybe thing be better. It. She did well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no offense. Okay. Well, yeah. That. Yeah. Maybe you could spin it. Taylor not made. Not Taylor made. Not t- there. You, ah. That's gonna sell itself. Yeah. The marketing is just beautiful. All right. Uh, so uh, big week this week for Taylor Swift. Big week for Lizzo. Next week, big week for Americana Fest in Nashville. So it's the 20th annual Americana Fest. I was there in 2016. So many performances, so many showcases in Nashville. And Trevor, you went you went to Vanderbilt in uh, Nashville. So you know, uh, obviously, the reputation Nashville has as a music city. But uh, I think it just goes to even uh, a more exponential level uh, for these, uh, these six days coming up September 10th through 15th in Nashville. Next week for Americana Fest – uh, beyond all all the music, beyond all the the networking opportunities, all the the seminars that are going on, any places you recommend? Whether it's uh, where should people eat? What's what else should you do in Nashville? Oh oh gosh, it's it's tough because I haven't been in Nashville in a little 
while and it feels like the town is i mean in the past four or five years really really exploded um a lot of people probably would say if you if you're going down to her music you want to check out probably the country music hall of fame which they renovated and redid recently um so that's i mean really nice anywhere down in broadway people love the honky tonks and i mean it's really a big place for a lot of uh celebrities you know to open up their own bars florida georgia line has a bar down there i think um obviously margaritaville is jimmy buffett's over there i think um i want to i want to say hopefully jason aldean i think or somebody opened a bar not too long ago either um but yeah it seems to be like that's sort of one of the new entrepreneurial moves down there so check out any of those riverfront places um i mean food you probably can't go wrong with just that anywhere (laughs) um but yeah, I mean, but if if anything, I think if you've never been to Nashville or whatnot, I think the vibe of the city is is something that's really, really like lovely for a lot of people. Probably a great time of year to go as well. Where it's you know not going to be in the thick of summer, so it should be cooling off a little bit. But it's not going to be you know any, you don't probably need a jacket or anything like that. So yeah, I mean, for anybody that's heading down there, um, I mean, really just soak it up, and it's really becoming you know one of the the hot cities uh, in. All, all of the United States, really, in terms of just, you know, bustling population. A lot of people just trying to check out the vibe there as a regional powerhouse. So many bachelorette parties come through there, so you know it's like a destination hotspot. And I will say um, something that has spread from Nashville is the hot chicken market. I feel like everywhere now has like a Nashville hot chicken, you know, if they have like any kind of chicken on their menu. I was in London, like... I mean, it was, I think it was like a, like a TGI Fridays or whatever. But even in London, they had like a, you know, come try the Nashville hot chicken. The official Wikipedia definition says that it's been marinated in a blend of seasoning, floured, fried, and sauced in a paste that's been spiced with cayenne pepper. So it's the, the spicy paste and the presentation that differentiates it from similar dishes such as buffalo wings. How many calories? Well, it depends on how big it is, right? Get a Diet Coke with it. You're all good. They, they, there you go. It's all about the balance. But, yep, find a good place for that. Again, Prince's, Hattie B's, probably the most popular and brings a lot of water. All right. So uh, the guy who's been working on Americana Fest since last year and as soon as this one's over, they're really already planning next year as, as well. Jed Hilly, executive director of the Americana Music Association. Uh, he was in our New York offices recently, stopped by, and we chatted about all things uh, Americana, Americana Fest, uh, some of the stars of the genre, how big really uh, the sound has been uh, this decade, uh, especially. And we brought in Kevin Rutherford, who's been on the podcast before, our rock chart manager. So uh, wrapping things up here on the podcast this week with a deep dive into Americana Fest and Americana. Uh, Jed was on the podcast way back in the beginning, right? Right after we started the podcast in 2016. Here he is again now on this week's Billboard Sharpie podcast, Jed Hilly talking Americana Fest. Jed Hilly, welcome to the Billboard Chappie Podcast. Thank you for having me. We got Kevin, our rock chart manager, among other things as well. Kevin Rutherford. Hey, yeah, I'm just mostly here to listen and uh, and hear wonderful insights. Wait, that's what I'm here for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I want to talk about Americana Fest that's uh, coming up September 10th through 15th. But I guess first of all, Jed, for uh, people who who know music, they've heard the term. uh, A lot of people might hear Americana as as a music uh, style. 
What exactly is it? How do you how do you define it? Well, I I define it by saying if you can taste the dirt through your ears, yeah. that's Americana. Um, I think the Grammys define it as sort of an amalgam of, of music that's inspired um, from a cross section of American roots music themes and runs through the blues, country, rock and roll, bluegrass, zydeco, gospel. Um, it's not a vertical genre. When you hear um, when you hear Lucinda Williams, you hear the soul. Uh, from Louisiana, you hear the rock from Tom Petty, and you hear the country from Hank Williams. Um, and by country, I mean old school, uh, traditional country. Um, there's not much crossover in contemporary country uh, today with Americana, um, given that genre has become very commercial. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You'd think, you'd think, because uh, a lot of acts who are very welcome now in the Americana world maybe had a long history on, on country radio, on the country charts. But yeah, there doesn't seem to be a lot of crossover at all. I think it started that way. Um, Americana grew in the, in the 90s really when the FCC changed the, the, the rules and regulations for, for radio stations. You used to have 10,000 radio stations owned by 10,000 people across the country and now you've got 10,000 radio stations owned by four. Um, playlist changed. Uh, the commercial, you know, the country music business opted for Garth Brooks and Shania Twain in 1992 and weren't so interested in Roseanne Cash or Emmylou Harris or Dwight Yoakam or Katie Lang or Lyle Lovett or the list goes on. So you had what the you had at that point um, a clear division between art and commerce. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just there's a difference between commercial art and fine art. Um, the artists in the Americana world, are their, their goal is not to sell out Madison Square Garden. Their goal is to write, is to tell a story through music in the best way they can, period. Um, sometimes that's a hit. I was going to say it's not mutually exclusive. Right. Sometimes that's a hit. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, that's where uh, those are great moments, uh, you know, to see that happen, um, putting the integrity back into the art form. To me, the music consumption, if I can, can go there, um, I don't – I think Jane Doe in Portland, Maine listens to Patty Griffin, Muddy Waters, Preservation Hall Band, you know, diverse interests it, uh, and diverse tastes. Uh, but it's all the thread that connects those things is an authenticity, is an integrity. Um, one of my favorite quotes uh, from a journalist about uh, about the the Americana world and who it is and what it represents is it's uh, uh, singers who can sing, players who can play, writers who can write. Yeah, I feel like. A lot of genres in the last decade or so, and I always go back to it's a YouTube world, an iTunes world where there's less barriers. People can find music wherever they want. Uh, a lot of genres have blended, so it kind of makes sense that same thing for Americana. Maybe there's more blues influences, more more electric than uh, if you might have thought at the beginning. It was just maybe a singer songwriter, uh, more narrowly defined that way. Inclusivity is important, you know, um, and we have a real hard time with that. I had mentioned off mic that we had 1,800 bands apply for a showcase at Americana Fest. Uh, Americana Fest is our annual fundraiser. It pays the bills for our not-for-profit organization 
for the other 11 months and three weeks of the year. Um, it is it is also a, a community gathering, um, which is great and really, really fun. Uh, but we had 1,800 acts apply this year to play, and we selected around 300. Um, that's a lot of people to say no to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's really hard, you know. And it kind of takes the fun out of saying yes when oh, you say it, no it, to so many other you know, my, you know, well, same thing like with our awards. You know, it's my favorite day and least favorite day of the year because, you know, I, I love that, you know, this year, we, you know, we were very proud. Uh, our Artist of the, of the Year nominees are Brandy Carlisle, Casey Musgraves, uh, Mavis Staples, and Rhiannon Giddens. Um, I don't know if we're the only award show of our kind that has fielded an all-female slate. Uh, part of me, and I think Brandy and the other three women would agree, uh, w- would say it's a shame that, that we have to think of things on those terms because all four of those artists are artists regardless of gender. Um, and then at the same time, you know, I'm thrilled for those four. I'm I'm thrilled that we've made that that our membership and community have made that statement, but then there are a whole lot of other artists that worked their tails off last year and probably deserved a slot, but didn't get it. Uh, when I started in 2007, we had 56 acts. Uh, what was important to me was to create a more diverse um, um, uh, um, breadth of, of, of what musicians were, were playing. In the previous two years, 32 of the first 56 had played two out of the three years. So I, I had put a rule in at that point that you can't play two years in a row. So that allowed us to bring more people in. Um, we slowly went from 56 acts performing um, during our, our, at our showcase venues to 65, to 85, to 96, the, the, to 110, to 125 to 185, to 230. I mean, it's gotten nuts. Um, and, um, and it's gotten very difficult. I'm more proud um, that we've created more opportunities uh, for artists. We just, we just don't have the resources to field 1,800 bands. Um, we're a small office of five people. We rely heavily on, uh, on volunteer uh, efforts. Um, and, uh, and we want every event and, you know, every showcase is an event to me. And we have five showcases in one venue times 20 different venues over the course of a six day music festival in Nashville. I want every one of those events to be satisfying for the artist and for the consumer. Um, I want a packed house. Um, our event is about discovery. So while there are there is a smattering of bigger names throughout the venue, and we always try to find like the headliner for each slot for each night. Which I mean, it's nuts. Yeah. It's like a crazy jigsaw puzzle. But the beauty of the festival is you is the best musicologist probably doesn't know sixty five to eighty five percent of the artists that are playing. And I can tell you that if you sit in any one of those venues in any given night, um, there may be one out of five acts that you know. But 
one of those other acts that you didn't know will block will knock your socks off. Right. And that's all about discovery. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I was there in uh, 2016 and I, I think what hit me most of all is how it just felt like it just totally took over the city because as you're saying, Chad, there are so many different venues where shows are happening at night but also during the day all the different uh, seminars going on. It just felt like during the day maybe you'd be learning about songwriting. You'd be learning about the business and then at night it was a matter of, well, do I go to this show or do I go to this show? And it was, it, was, it, uh, it just really felt like uh, what a great relationship you have with Nashville at this point. All of the venue owners um, – we, this year we will be using 70 unique venues. Yeah. Um, there, those, that includes the Ryman. That includes our conference headquarters, the Westin Hotel. Um, and that includes backyards. That includes restaurants. That includes bars. That includes music venues. Um, and, the, and, and of the 70, uh, basically they all give us their rooms for free. Um, possibly because they know they'll sell a lot of beer. <laughs> um, <It's fair. laughs> uh, but but it is uh, that's also a, a humbling uh, community uh, experience. It, it's very much. Um, I think Pace Magazine said it's a cross between uh, South by Southwest and the Grammys. In 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 that structurally, it's very much like South by. We have daytime panels, conference, educational seminars, um, interviews with with uh, big names, hearing their stories. Um, with great journalists uh, on on site to to do the interviews, um, again participating on coming on their own dime, um, and then um, the integrity that I think the Recording Academy strives for. It's it's sort of uh, it is a, a, a unique balance that that we've been able uh, to to carve out with basically no commercial, you know. Sponsorship. We we don't have any million dollar sponsor deals, and and I think the artists like that too. Yeah. Uh, so since we've been since we've been discussing showcases and you know discovery that you have at the awards every year, and and looking at the emerging artist uh, nominations for this year, which are a fantastic bunch, you know, if you're able to say, since I know you don't want to necessarily play favorites, but you know, what are some of your favorites of the last year or so that you've discovered on an emerging artist level from? Americana that you're really excited to talk to people about. Well, we ha- we have J.S. Andara, uh, Aaron Ray, um, Yola, and Warren Treaty as our emerging artists. I mean, I, I I haven't I I don't know if I've ever been so proud of our of our membership uh, for that slate uh, again. Um, Fantastic slate. Yeah, oh it's gosh. it it's. Um, it's representative of true emerging artists. Um, each one of them is extraordinary. Um, I appreciate you singling that category out because to me, that's what it's all about. Um, it's about discovery. Um, we all have, we all interface with music in, in different ways. And, uh, but I think what excites and, and everyone, not just in the music business, but Fans, you know, everyone gets affected by music and discovery is such a key part of that. I mean, we all remember when we were in a room, we heard a song or, you know, we, we hear a song again two years later, five years later, ten years later, you know, and, and those songs played a role in our lives or were with us at a certain point. They create memories. Um, that's the next generation that's going to be creating memories. Each one of those artists I could I – could, 
go on about. Um, uh, they're beautiful. Uh, they're inspiring. They're powerful. Um, go see them live. They're incredible. Oh my goodness, right? I mean, and that's the thing about you know anybody out there. To me, at the end of the day, see live music, experience that because it can it can be life changing. Um, you see somebody get out there on stage and they like grab their either side of the rib cage, crack it open a little, and reveal their heart. I mean, to me, it, that's ballsy, gutsy, brave, and then beautiful at, at the end of the day. And those four artists I would stack against, you know, uh, against anyone, you know, in a in a in a hundred and fifty seat room or a twenty thousand seat arena. I, I remember once I went to see Bonnie Raitt, who's a great supporter and, and ambassador of, of the association and has been a board member. Um, I remember seeing her at the Ryman one night in Nashville, and she was like, this sucks because the best musicians in the world are sitting in the audience and I can't make a mistake. You know, it was like, <laughs> Bonnie Raitt, give me a break, you know, but, but they all feel that. ask your opinion talking about how someone could make music that ends up being kind of different and outside of Americana but then you have someone like last year at the Americana Awards when Tyler Childers said when he got the Emerging Artist Award that he has a country singer I feel like Americana ain't no part of nothing and he wasn't really sure how he fit into that you know after he said those words last year you know what was kind of your reaction personally maybe even around the office in terms of like what he said uh, I thought what Tyler Childers said at the award show last year was very Americana. <laughs> um, it is uh, amongst the most irreverent of communities and fan bases um, that I've experienced in, in my music career and I've dabbled in, in, in others in, uh, in the earlier part of my career. I was mixing and matching in all genres of music. That was my job. Um, I think Tyler Childers is an extraordinary artist. And um, I felt like he earned his stripes in the Americana world and he was deserving of an Emerging Artist uh, Award. And uh, I think not only was he emerging, I, I think he's, uh, you know, so, some, some, I have a great songwriter named Mary Gaucher who sat on our, our board uh, made the comment once about who we are and what we do. And she said, well, we don't necessarily uh, create hits. Uh, we helped to build careers, and I think we've helped to build Tyler Childers' career. I think he's got a long career ahead of him. How was that? Did I avoid controversy? I, I, I think so. I, that was a well, yeah, absolutely. No, he's, I, he's That amazing. wasn't very Americana, Jed. You weren't a reverend. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think he was a little shocked to see me at a, at a show about three months later. <laughs> uh, it's funny, though, what you said about how you thought his comments were very Americana because I saw a lot of uh, you know comments on Facebook. I pretty much said the same thing. He's like, oh, man, that's about as Americana as you can get. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it, it's, again, you know, it's an artist, you know, to, to each his own. Um, you know, uh, I, I hope on some level he he appreciates our support, and, and I think on some level he does. I think he may have been surprised. I think I think he shares what uh, um, what many in in the constituency share is is a, uh, maybe a sadness that the that the commercialism of country music has yeah. taken such hold that it's 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 not recognizing a, a brilliant artist like uh, 
like Tyler Childers because he is brilliant. He makes great music. He's more rooted. You know, he is an artist in that I would say is more rooted in country than, you know, you know, in my horizontal genre that I described earlier. He's rooted more in country than he is in in, in other areas. Absolutely. Um, and and uh, you know, some artists, you know, Nathaniel Ratliff's rooted more in R and B and the blues. Sure, they're still part of the community. As we wrap up towards the, the end of the decade, I would think you look back on this decade as being a really good one for Americana from uh, not just, uh, uh, again, it's not based on who has uh, the biggest uh, chart hits, but when you look at uh, Casey and Chris Stapleton and uh, Umford and Sons, there were so many acts that it kind of feels like this decade Lumineers was, Lumineers was, was really uh, a really bigger, maybe mainstream moment for Americana than in the past. Yeah, I think, you know, T-Bone Burnett, says you can't keep good music down. Um, and um, I, I tend to believe in that by and large. I think as an industry, we, we need help. We need help. I've been spending a lot of time the last few years, you know, working with a group of incredible people lobbying for things like the Music Modernization Act, going to D.C., talking to congressmen. That's a trip. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm always sitting there going, you know, oh man, they, they know who I really am. You know, like, uh, <laughs> like, are they listening to me? Um, you know, a lot of things, you know, still need to change. We, we kind of got caught with our, with our pants down. Um, but the last 10 years has been incredible. And I think the, uh, the, the mindset and the nature of an Americana artist kind of saw the foreshadowing. And so, you know, when you had mentioned before about, you know, live and touring be so critical and important to an Americana artist, Americana artists kind of saw it earlier because they were shut out from the, uh, right. from the labels right. and, and, and the, the commercial process. The, 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 the money that directed the music business in the mid to late 90s, um, you know, wasn't allowing for the art form. To flourish, so it it just uh, necessity is the mother of invention is is the other term we could use for an Americana artist. Looking ahead, what challenges lay ahead for the association? What are your what are your goals? Maybe the next uh, couple of years, five years going forward. You know, the the blessing and the curse of, of our organization is uh, is a lack of corporate sponsorship. Um, you know, I haven't quite figured out uh, how to manage it. Um, around six years ago, we had a mission statement that was written in 1999, which is a really long, verbose, five-paragraph. We are in the business to support the business of Americana because the business and, – and I'm like – it drove me nuts for my first few years working there because no music fan wants to hear that. No music lover wants to hear that. And if we're in, you know, in, in 2007 when I got there, you know, I, I, I basically told the board of directors, I, I said, look, if we're in the business for the business, we're going to go out of business. <laughs> um, we need to open this up to, to, to a different uh, segment of, of the world. And it took me a few years to figure it out. And I brought in a consultant to evaluate our mission statement. And she said, if, if you can't memorize it, uh, then it's then it's not working, and uh, she's like, "We got to boil it down to fifteen words or 
or so. So we sat around, 25, you know, board members and me and this, you know, strategist and, you know, we little sticky posts on the wall, you know, give me a word for this, give me a word for that, putting them all together. It was, it was an amazing experience. 36 hours later, uh, the mission statement for the, the mission of the American Music Association is to advocate for the authentic voice of American roots music around the world. I think I got it. You can double check on the website. <laughs> Under 15 words, too. You know, right? <laughs> and I'll tell you what, since we changed that mission statement, our membership has tripled. I mean, we were at about a thousand members in 2013. Our membership has tripled. The attendance at our event has more than quadrupled. I can't even, I don't even know. But, but you know, we're, we're now, you know, have 322 bands and we can't, you know, we're afraid to grow any more than that because we want every single venue to be full right. for every single artist. Um, and that's a challenge. Um, so, uh, you know, how, you know, the good news of, of the rise in attendance, of the rise in participation, and the acceptance, I think, that artists have for us now with, with a, a slight tweak going from we were a business organization to an artist advocacy group has also brought in more money, which is really interesting to you know, if that is in fact what happened, I mean, to me, that's the one thing that we did significantly as an association in the last 10 years that shifted the approach and the mindset of who we are and what we do. And it is factual that since then, we've seen significant growth year in, year out. So it's maintaining that integrity, balancing it as more people start approaching us and wanting to participate. Another great lineup this year, uh, artist we just had on the podcast recently, Lizzie No is playing, uh, Lula Wiles, who Kevin and I just uh, saw earlier this year here in New York, they're on there, and uh, 320 or so uh, others, <laughs> so it's going to be great, uh, again, uh, September 10th through the 15th in Nashville. Uh, thank you, Chad, for taking time. I, I'm uh, almost surprised you can just sit here a little bit ahead of time, uh, so relaxed about this. I, I feel like you're, you're going to get out of here checking your phone nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can, I, I'm worried that my phone buzzing in my uh, back pocket has affected our uh, – we're OK. OK, good. <laughs> and, uh, I, also, you were hanging out, I know, with Springsteen last night. So thank you for slumming with us. Well, I wasn't uh, hanging out with Springsteen, but I did go and, uh, and see the new film Blinded by the Light, which is mm. a, a wonderful film. And, and Bruce was there and uh, made a little surprise appearance on stage. And uh, it, was, it was pretty cool to be in Asbury Park and seeing Bruce Springsteen in Asbury Park. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. it was great. Yeah. All right. Well, Jed, thank you for uh, – you've been on the podcast before. Thank you for coming back. Best of luck with this year's 20th uh, annual Americana Fest and everything going forward. Look forward to seeing you in Nashville. I'm pounding the paper.